Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and we have episode 200. Yes, 200 of the podcast, which was originally recorded on April 12th of 2018. Eric and I are continuing our discussion and our countdown of our top 100 games. And in this episode, we are counting down from 20 to 1. That is number 22, our number one game of all time. We hope you enjoy the episode as much as we enjoyed recording this one. everyone, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. Welcome to episode 200 of the podcast, What I'm Playing Now. Wow. I have Eric here with me. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm very excited today, Joe. I am too. I'm completely stoked. Um, when I started this thing off four or five years ago, whenever the hell it was that I did that, um, I never even really thought that I would be doing this for this many episodes. Um, I'm kind of excited that the videos we're now doing are getting some good views on the YouTube channel and that's kind of growing. That was, that's kind of been the part that I've wanted to do the most is kind of like the videos. And I wanted to do that years ago and it took me some time to get the equipment, figure out how to do it and make sure I learned how to do it and get everything else for it. So I think we're now producing some pretty good videos and I'm kind of stoked about that. Um, this Sunday we may be doing a video for Noria a game from Stronghold Games. So I'm kind of looking forward to playing that. We're going to be learning that over the next couple. Well, we've been learning it for the past couple of days. We're actually going to get our first playthrough, and I think later on this afternoon. So I'm kind of excited about that one. Um, it would have been nice to maybe have gotten that playthrough in before our top 100. I have a feeling it might have made it into my top 100 games. I'll just save it for next time. It seems, it seems like it'll be pretty cool. So other than that, this episode is going to be numbers 20 to number 1 of our top 100 games as we led up to episode 200 of the podcast. Eric, I'll let you go first today. Oh, what? Number 20. Okay, my number 20 is an IP game, which I believe I've only had one other one on this list, if I can remember. I'm not even going to go back and look through that, but... But, uh... It has to do with one of my favorite game mechanisms of deck building. And it's probably one of my most played games uh, of all time, I would say. Hmm. And I believe you have one of the games in the system that you've picked up recently. So am I giving you any hints so far? That's an IP game. I have a couple of ideas. Okay, well, I'll just ruin it for you. It's, you uh, ruin it for me. Spoiler. Spoiler! <laughs> it's a legendary Marvel deck building game. Ah, yes. Yes, I have Buffy. And this one, I today I'm not going to go through how to play games or anything. I'm just going to go through why they're in the 20s here right now. Just to keep it simple. But this this is a game where, first of all, I love the Marvel characters. This one I pretty much have every expansion so i have every character that i actually love and even with some of the movies you're able to sit there and find new characters that you may not know about and just putting together different teams and taking on different objectives it's a a great amount of variability for this game i don't know how many different combinations i have now but 
just just the sheer number of things that you can do in this game and how every new scenario and every new character brings something new to the table every time it's a game that just keeps expanding and growing and just being a fan of marvel you you get to see how your characters translate into a card game which is really exciting to see how they try to mimic certain people's abilities and powers and it's really exciting to do that and this is a game i love it a lot more that i can actually play it by myself if i'm bored and not just have to rely on people so that's always a great one and i i want to say it's probably the start to one of the best systems out there i know the uh, legendary encounters games do a little more with it and i'd probably take that one a little higher with game mechanisms um but i do love the marvel version a lot more so if you want to count all the legendary system inside this one you can but i stuck with my favorite one legendary marvel cool as my number 20 nice all right my number 20 is a game you introduced me to oh, i don't even know how long ago um it's been a little while and um, I'm a big fan of this type of bag building mechanism. Mm -hmm. This is a game from 2012. And once I say the publisher, Serlin Games, you're going to know exactly what it is. I knew what it was but from the first sentence you had. So, <laughs> My number 20 is a little chip game called Puzzle Strike. In Puzzle Strike, it is a bag builder. Um, it kind of has um, a foray back to some of the video games where you are slamming chips into your opponents and kind of making them take uh, some additional damage, I guess you could say, and building it up. And when somebody gets over 10 chips in their tableau, I believe it is, uh, they lose the game. And it's I'm big fan of um, bag building. And when I first played this one, I was like, wow, I just, all the different chips in there. I have Shadows. I still haven't bought the third edition, which is on my wish list. Um, but I did pick up Shadows um, over Christmas and Kim and I have played it. And we've just had a really good time with this. I know you and I have played this multiple times down at the game store um, over the past couple of years. We'll play it every now and then. And every time you play it, it's different because you're always playing with different chips and um, your strategies are always different. You're, there are so many different heroes in the game that you can play that I think make it very interesting as well because each hero has three different chips and each of those chips will have different actions and abilities on them that you can take. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. I, I just have a blast with this game and it's it's kind of a silly little game, but it's one that I just I, from the first time playing it, I was like, wow, this is just I, I was I just really liked it. Well, you're welcome. So, thank you. And that was my number 20. Eric, let's go on to your number 19. OK, my number 19 is a game I played somewhat recently and picked up. Because it was nominated for the Kenner Spiel a few years ago. It is from a designer that has since become one of my favorites. I guess you can say because I have never really been let down by any of his games. And this one I enjoyed because it brought a lot of push your luck player interaction with other players. As well as some kind of a trick-taking mechanism and this game is broom service so the reason i chose this one is because it seems to be one of the 
few Euro games where you're really trying to really get in the head of other people around the table because you're sitting there trying to either do brave or cowardly actions. And essentially when you're being brave, you can lose your action completely if other people choose to. And I thought that brought a nice tension around the table where you may try to play something safe or you may try to play something a little risky, but the fact of the matter is you can sit there and take different strategies out there like, oh, you know, maybe I want to play something really safe just to keep the turn order a little bit different in your favor because the longer, the later you are in the turn order, it helps you out more with your guesses. So sometimes you might sit there and take a bad move in your mind just to set yourself up for something greater. And I think this is one of the few newer Euro games where you're actually playing mind games with each other and you're not just trying to see who can do the best combos together. And it's interesting. I love the whole trick-taking mechanism with, you know, everyone's got to play the same card that you did if they have it. And it just brings a great dynamic. It also helps that I got the game like really cheap because it is really cheap on like Amazon nowadays. So, I mean, for such a small price, you got a lot of game out of it. And there's there's so many uh, different like mini expansions that are in the box still that I haven't even played yet because the base game is still so good. So I think it has a lot of legs because of that. Yeah, the first time I played that one was shortly, I think, after it had come out. Mm-hmm. And um, I need to play it again because I was horrible at it. <laughs> um, yeah, that could happen. I, no matter what I did in that game, tried to be safe, tried to push my luck. I just, I was always picking the wrong thing at the wrong time constantly throughout that game. And it was just, I was like, Burr. so I, I mean, that, that, that one hasn't made my top hundred at all. I mean, it's definitely tough because of that, but I see, I see where you're going. It... All right. That is your number nine. Or your number 19. 19. I'm on to my number 19. I'm getting all confused here as to what (laughs) numbers we're on. Technical difficulties with here on today's podcast for episode 200. My number 19 is a game from 2017. Um, I believe it was on Kickstarter. I had not kickstarted it, though. I picked it up at my friendly local game store. It's published by Eagle Griffin, designed by Vito Lacerda. This is a little game I think that, Eric, you were part of the first time we had played this one. It's Lisboa. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just really enjoy this game. Um, so many different choices in this one. It's a Vito Lacerda game. So it's definitely heavier. And if I'm looking correctly at my list here, um, somehow I think Vito Lacerda ended up twice next to each other on my list because I think my number 18 is a game from him as well. Um, but Lisboa is one in that you're trying to rebuild the city. And a lot of different choices. Um, it, it's definitely a heavier style game since it's a Vito Lacerda game. And if it's the, I have the Deluxified, or I don't, I don't want to say Deluxified because this isn't a, it's not a TMG game. The collector's I have the, edition. The, yes, I have the collector's edition or the deluxe version of the game, which I will say the components in this game are pretty outstanding. Um, and I just, I just really enjoyed this game after playing it. So, Lisboa is my number nine. Let's move on to your 
18. Eric, what's your 18? Okay, my 18. Um, I did the same thing as you, and I put a designer twice in a row. So <laughs> my number 18 is a game that you introduced me to, which I didn't really even want to try before you made me do it. But this is now Great Western Trail. You make it sound like I was like holding a gun or something to your head. <laughs> you do that to me sometimes. So oh, okay, okay. Once, once or twice a year. So Great Western Trail has been almost a medium weight family game for for me and Yuki playing together. Where uh, it's just been very simple to play once you learn how everything works out. And that's one thing we like about it. It's it's such a rich strategy game with very little to think about, you know, on a turn. But in the long run, there's a lot of different things you can do. And just the fact that there's so many different choices and enough variability with how everything comes out on the board or what you can build and just the different actions you take, especially with how your deck goes. It really opened up a lot more the more we played it and really brought some love to it. And the fact that with two of us, we can probably play it in about an hour without even like killing ourselves is a good thing because it gives you just enough choices and just the right amount of time to make yourself feel satisfied. And I know with more players, it takes a lot longer, but with two players, it's been pretty pretty good and all the all the games we've played of it have been pretty close together so it's it's one of the medium family games that we enjoy now so that's yep. 18 great that's western cool. trail that's a great one all right my number 18 uh like i had just stated is a game from vita lacerda uh this one's from 2014 i think this might have been I'm trying to think if this was one of my first Vita Lacerda games that I played. It might have been. Um, this one was published by Stronghold Games. Uh, this is Kanban. They are putting out a new version, I think, this year. I think called the Driver's Edition. Um, I can't. I don't know what the difference is between them. Uh, I thought the original game was was quite well done. I had heard that they were possibly redoing this one. Um, I'm gonna have to see what the differences are and see if I want to pick up the original or pick up this one. Um, Because this is definitely one I would like to add to my collection. Um, Kanban was a game I remember when we first sat down to play it. There were three of us trying to attempt to learn how to play it one (laughs) evening down at the game store. And it was – the rules in the game – have a little to be desired, I will say. It's very hard to learn this game from just reading the rules and – uh, we sat down and we did a lot of things wrong. We only got through part of the game because it was just we were constantly just looking up rules constantly, constantly. So I told everybody, you know, let's go home. Everybody try to figure this out and then we'll meet back next week. And we met back next week and I walked in and I had a whole printout of papers from Board Game Geek where um, I think Vita Lacerda had basically given like um, an example rule book of how to play the game. And it definitely helped me out immensely in learning the game. And I like threw all this stack of papers out and I was like, I know how to play this game. Let's do this. <laughs> and so I sat there and pretty much taught everybody how to play it. Um, So this was, I, this could have, this could have been one of the first heavier games that I really played years ago. Um, And I think this is what just got me into, I think my taste of these heavier Euro style games. And 
it's the way I describe it to people in in all the regards and all aspects. Kanban is a worker placement game where you have one worker. Mm-hmm. So you would think one worker. How hard could this be? But um, there are so many different choices and so many different things you're going to try to do. Um, and when you look at the board the first time, you're like, it's it. There's just so much going on. There's like a track, like a test track. There's um, a delivery center where all these resources are. There's a track where cars are coming off the assembly line. There's an uh, there's a boardroom. There's all these different segments of this on this board, and it looks a flipping mess. You're like, what the hell is this? But when you sit down and learn it and actually look at the flow of how the board is laid out and what actions, I guess you could say, or, you know, what rooms are next to each other. It literally makes logistical sense in business wise, Mm -hmm. how the board is laid out. It's, it's excellently thought out. I mean, you know, the more I got into it and the more I learned it and the more I looked at the way it was designed, I go, this design is beautiful. Um, It's, it's really, really got a really nice flow to it. And I think that's what really got me into um, some of the heavier games was Kanban. Um, and so that, that made my number 18 on my list from Beetle Lacerda. Well, All right, Eric, man. what is your 17? Okay. My 17 is a game I introduced you to somewhat recently, and I know you're not really that big of a fan of, <laughs> but this is a newish game that kind of sparked my new love for an older designer who's still designing a bunch of games. And this combines drafting with some spatial areas and some other mechanisms that I enjoy, but the uh, the one I really enjoyed about this game was the endgame scoring and how weird it was compared to a lot of things. This is probably the second newest game on my top 100, hmm. and it's called Heaven and Ale. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I know I know you're not a fan of this one. Oh boy. <laughs> but ju- just the whole I would ca- I would I wouldn't say I'm not a fan. I I definitely need to play it again. I said there was nothing broken on it when we played it. I just did not get the strategy right off the bat like you guys did. Well, Dave and neither Dave nor I did, so I don't feel bad. It wasn't just me. <laughs> and I I don't know what it is about this, but I I I liked the whole combination of making short-term and long-term choices and where you're going to place everything on your board and, you know, how you're trying to play the other players where, you know, hey, do I just take small steps over here and, you know, get some of these, get some of these little pieces that I really need or do I want to take a big leap to do some special actions or get some other pieces and kind of just wait for everyone else to catch up to you? Do you want to give them more choices to build their stuff? It's just such an interesting game to me that I know I'm not even close to being good at it because pretty much every game I've played of it has been pretty similar score wise. And I know we I've seen way higher scores than what I have been able to do. So I know I'm not that great at it, but I'm at least consistent so far. But it's just something I love. I, I like drafting games and the whole moving around the board kind of like a rondel you know, was an interesting thing to me and just placing everything out on your board and seeing what combos you can start to do and how you're trying to manage your money. 
there's so many little things going on in there, but it wasn't overwhelming. So I just tended to enjoy that. And I'm still learning a lot more about the game and I need to play it a lot more as well. So this might be higher up in the future. We will see. Cool. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. Um, I, from watching the videos, when I had first heard about the game, I was like, ooh, this sounds interesting. Let's watch a couple of videos. And then when Kim and I both watched videos, we were like, mm. <laughs> I mean, there was just something about after you been watching it played, I was like, all right, I need to try this. And after trying it, I was like, okay, I liked it, but I just, it just didn't grab me. I mean, besides not getting the strategy until about halfway, three quarters of the way through the game. I mean, once I understood it, I was like, okay, this, this everything works, but I don't. I, I don't know. Sometimes when you play a game, sometimes they grab you instantly. Other times there's just, I guess, like a slow burn into it. Maybe that one that's just going to be a slow burn into it for me. And it I need to be. get a couple more plays under my belt. So. All right. Um, I'm going to state that my next several games are along the heavy line um, in looking at my list. Oh, my <laughs> top 20. There's a lot of heavier games on here. Um, that's probably where most of my heavier games are, but that's, that's the type of games I like. But, um, the next game, um, is from Capstone Games. I was introduced to this game a couple of years ago at Gen Con. And this is one that I've wanted to teach to Kim and have not had a chance to, um, published by Capstone Games, designed by Stefan Risthaus. Um, it's a game called Arkwright. Um, this is an economic industry manufacturing game. And when I talk about economics, um, considering I hated economics in college, I really enjoyed this game for some reason, and I don't know why. Um, there are so many pieces and components to this game. It's freaking nuts. Uh, when you play this game, basically make sure you have an evening free um, or start very early in the day and order a pizza while you're playing. Um, this is definitely one of the longer games that you're going to get in, especially when you play some of the different um, varieties or variations of the game. Um but uh, yeah, from the first time I played this one, I was like, wow, I was just really enamored with some of the different economic decisions that you're making in this game. And I just was like, OK, I got to have this one in my collection because I want to be able to play this one, you know, whenever I want to. So that was Arkwright from Capstone Games is my 17. Let's jump to your number 16. OK, my 16 I will preface this by saying my next little string of games here is probably the oldest games on my list. Oh, wow. So we'll see what kind of old games that have really caught my attention and ones that I think really do stand the test of time. So we'll start off with one you mentioned uh, probably a few episodes ago. And this is a game with a mechanism that I am not really a fan of because I suck at it. <laughs> okay, well, that's okay. Well, that's a good reason then. <laughs> and, but just the the way it brings gameplay into it makes it so interesting. But I will go ahead and say that my number 16 is Chinatown. And I really suck at trading. I, I but the more I play this game, the better I feel I get at it, at least, where you're sitting there trying to see what's coming out on the board and what everyone's getting. And then you slowly start to understand the needs of people and, you know, how how are you going to try to manipulate everyone into getting what you want while also thinking they're getting a good deal when 
obviously you're all trying to get the most money. So you're trying to screw over somebody somewhere. And the more I've played it with other experienced players, the more I've been able to see like, oh, you know, maybe you should not do certain trades at a certain point where, you know, sometimes I made trades where, you know, I I think I'm getting a good deal for myself, but then the guy who I just traded something with, he goes ahead and gives it to someone else for a better deal for himself. And I said, well, crap, why couldn't I just, why couldn't I just hold off a little bit? And you slowly start to understand the economics in the game. And it's just such an interesting experience that it's really been unlike any other game with trading that I've seen yet. And the fact that it's really old, I think it's like from 1999 and I'm talking about it here in 2018. I think that really says something about it and it does not feel like a dated game at all. Yep. I would agree with that. Everything you said, I think that sums it up very nicely. I, I, like I said, when I talked about that game, I really enjoyed it and it's usually not a game that I would think that I would like. Mm -hmm. So, all right. My number 16, I think this was the first splatter game that I actually played. So you probably know what this is. This is their 2015 seller that I don't know if this is their biggest selling game or not, but I know they've had so many damn reprints of it. It's insane. And that's food chain magnate. Mm. And I remember when I first heard about this one on different podcasts and different sites, when I had read about it, I was like, I got to play this one. This one just sounds really super interesting. And when we got it, we were like, oh, my God, this thing's this is a headache <laughs> trying to learn it. But um, I think once we learned it, it's 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 another long afternoon style game. So definitely give yourself hours and hours to play it. Um, I've never tried it with just two people. I think we've always had four or five playing. Goes pretty quick. Um, and even with, yeah, even with that many people, it's still a fairly quick game, but it's usually playing it down at the local game store. It's pretty much the only game you're going to play for the evening, probably besides maybe a light 10 minute dice or card game. If you can get something like that in, but, um, food chain magnate is just completely insane. Um, while the components probably aren't the most top notched, um, for being pretty much a strictly just card based game, if you think about it, that's kind of what it is. The whole game is just based around cards and upgrading your cards. Um, you're, you could possibly have chefs that you're upgrading, um, business people that from HR, from human resources, across to vice presidents, and where you're trying to just upgrade them to just get an engine going to try to just produce food or drinks and then try to market them on the board. So there's a spatial aspect to the game as well. Um, besides trying to build up um, a business, I guess you could say, via your cards that you're doing. Um, it's, it's, I think it's just a very impressive game. Um, probably not one of the, like I said, probably not one of the best looking games out there. I'm sure there's a lot of other games that look better, but still um, a hell of a lot of fun if you love heavier style games. And I would definitely say this is a heavier style game. Oh, yeah. And that would be Food Chain Magnate from Splatter. <laughs> right, Eric, what is your 15? Okay, my 15 is a game that got me interested in it based on my college studies slash current profession. It's also an older game, and it's probably the newest of the older games that I'm talking about in this next chunk. But it's Power Grid. And this one, again... It made me realize 
some of the genius of older Euro games where they really kind of get a lot more player interaction instead of the newer games where this game, the auctions and how you're trying to run those, you're really trying to maybe screw some people out of money in order to do things or get a good deal for yourself or do some strange tactics around there. But then you're also trying to manipulate the the resource market to get yourself some good deals, but also build your little your little route of power that you're trying to do all across the country. And it, it, it's just such an interesting game for me. It's not one I've been able to play a lot, which I need to remedy that because I tell a bunch of people in my profession about it and they're like, that sounds really cool and I want to try it. So I really need to get it down one of these days. But it, it's just such a, a crazy game where you're trying to you're not trying to pull ahead in front of everyone because doing that really screws you over because you're going last and everything then. So you're you're trying to just be there with people just enough in order to, to take a victory. And it's such an interesting dynamic that I haven't really seen in many games since then where, you know, you're just barely trying to stay with everyone in order to get a big victory at the end. So, so yeah. That's all I can really say about Power Grid. Cool. Yep, that is another good one. All right, my number 15 is a small, I would say somewhat popular card game from um, Stronghold Games and Fricks Games, designed by Jacob Frixellis. And that is Terraforming Mars from 2016. Um, There have been a couple of expansions released from this game. Um, and we haven't even, Kim and I haven't even played the expansions, even though we have them. And I've been wanting to do a video of this, of even the latest expansion. Um, but Terraforming Mars is a another card game. It's an engine builder. Um, I think this one is at this spot on my list, mainly because of the length of time it takes to play this one game, even with two players. I think you've talked about this one already. Um, uh, even with even with two players, it's a a long game. It's. I mean, what we've I've normally played it with four or five, and it's a very long game. It's a game where about three quarters of the way through, you're like, okay, this game can end, but um, <laughs> you still finish it up because uh, it, it it is a good game. It's great. Um, I really enjoy the ending build, the engine building mechanisms in the game, and what you're trying to do. And um, you know, I think when we've played before, we've done the drafting at the beginning, which is, um, I think, the advanced rules for the game, whereas the basic one, I think you just hand out the normal businesses, I think, to people is the way it starts out. Um, but it's it's one that's not too difficult to learn. I mean, I think the basic rules and engine for the game is very simple to pick up on. Um, learning the cards is probably the trickiest part because there are just so many different cards and several different strategies you can take in the game. So Mm -hmm. that's going to take you some getting used to playing. But I mean, as far as understanding the rules and what you do on your turns and everything like that, very, I think it's very simple to pick all that stuff up. Um, it's just figuring out the most optimized way of building your engine is the trickier part in this game. And like I said, I think the thing, the reason why it's probably number 15 on my list and isn't higher um, is because of even at two players, the game just is just is just a tad too long. I don't know if they needed to maybe cut out part of one of the tracks or something, or maybe shorten them from like tens to eights. 
Um, there's just something that needed to be done, I think, to make the game just a little bit shorter. Uh, and I haven't tried the new board or um, the expansion to see if that helps out any. Uh, so we need to play those a little bit, but it's still a great game. And I know for Stronghold, it's one that uh, has definitely been selling a lot for them, especially when I was um, interviewing Stephen Bonacore last year at Origins. Um, we had a discussion about that, you know, and I was asking him, you know, how did you even prepare for for this? And he was like, you know, he goes, I just, he goes, every time I was placing orders, he was like, I was like doubling my previous order for this game during the first couple of times. So, you know, it's it was very hard for him business-wise to even really get a handle on how popular the game was at the time. And it, it seems like it still does sell quite well. So Terraform Mars is my number 15. Let's jump over to Eric's number 14. Okay. My number 14 is a game. I don't believe you have played. And it's one I've tried to get people up at the store to play, but it's somehow it never seems to happen. And it is Quite possibly one of the most intense war games, quote-unquote, that I've played. And this is called Tigris and Euphrates. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I've never seen a game like this that has been so intense as this one, where you're really trying to... You're really trying to screw over people in such a cunning way and there's there's so much depth to this one that you don't see at first but it's so interesting and in how essentially you're just trying to collect a whole bunch of uh different scores for different colors i guess you can say and your end game score is whatever your lowest one is so you're trying to mix a balance of that but then you're also trying to take over other people's territories by doing so in order to maybe get some more of these resources that you're trying to score with. But then you could also sit there and really, you could really screw people's plans over by blocking territories and even starting like these, the new version has like a revolutions and, and wars, I believe both of them are called where the, and the old one, I think it's inner and outer conflicts something like that. I, I kind of like the new system, how they say it better, because it makes a little more sense. And it, it forces like different battles between cultures, for lack of a better word. And it, just the way you choose them, it kind of makes... It, 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 it brings somewhat of an economy uh, across the game board where, you know, maybe you're sitting there saying, hey... You know, if these two people battle it out, that frees up this whole thing and it and it it disconnects other players. So maybe I can sit there and take over another area just based on this one decision there that no one else was even thinking about. It's it's almost like a game of like chess or go where you're really trying to manipulate everyone into into doing something you want. And it it's so hard to explain a good strategy because I suck at the game. I'm not great. <laughs> But it's it's intense, and I haven't seen many games like this, and it's a shame because I, I need to get more people to play this because it's so insane, and you definitely need like three or four players to to get it because it is very interactive for such a Euro game, which, like I said before, is hard to find nowadays. Cool. All right, my number 14 
is a small game from 2014. I don't think I picked it up till probably like about a year later. I think it was actually an originally Kickstarter, and I had missed the Kickstarter. It's published by Far Off Games, designed by Cody Miller. Um, and this is Zaya, Legends of a Drift System. Ooh. So this is a space 4X style game, basically a sandbox style game. And when I say sandbox, it is really um there's a lot of there's a you know several different avenues you can take in the game. You know, you can pretty much do pick up and deliver style, um, go for that style of game. You can try to just become a space pirate and just go around and try to just kill everybody else that's around you. Get victory points for that. Um there's the game starts off with you basically having a spaceship and everybody starts off at a different spot on the board and you just start doing whatever the hell you want to start doing in this game. There's no, you know, true set path that you need to take. Um, So when you start off the game, you know, you're kind of just looking at the planets around you saying, okay, how can I make some quick money? How can I get my ship upgraded? How can I upgrade my guns and weapons? Maybe my shields. If I see somebody's being a little bit more aggressive, um, I mean, when I say it's a sandbox game, it's it's kind of like a true sandbox game. And it's it's one that I really enjoyed playing. Um, and I picked up the expansion for it. Um, originally, the game was three plus. Uh, so I had never really played it with Kim. I, some people said that, that the original game played OK with two people. But um, the expansion lets you play with two people as well as, I believe, introduced some solo roles to the game, which I haven't yet sat down to learn. Um, but I remember when I first, um, picked up this game and took it down to the game store. Um, I don't even think, um, our friend, the local game store had any of these in stock because they really weren't familiar with the game. And after that, I mean, there were several people that instantly wanted to buy this game after I started teaching it to people. Um, because it was, it, everybody was just having a really good time with it. It's, it's just, it's just a really cool space game. I've never played, um, Twilight Imperium or some of the bigger, you know, any of the other bigger card game or space games like that. Um, but I'm glad Zaya was my first foray into that um, that type of game. And I will say I, I really enjoy it. And so I think there's another expansion that just finished up on Kickstarter shortly ago. It's just a small card expansion for the game. So, But I did um, jump on that immediately because I did want to have everything for this game. Um, and I definitely need to teach this one to Kim. I'm interested to see how she would like um, like a sandbox-style game. I don't know if she would like that or not, or if she likes something maybe more with a set path and a goal. Whereas this one, you just, like I said, you start off and you're just like, you know, I kind of feel like being a dick today and I'm just going to start going around killing people. (laughs) I mean, you know, if you're in that type of mood, that's the type of game you can play and your, you know, your opponents kind of just need to adjust to that. And so it makes the game very interesting and fun. Um, but I liked it. Zaya, Legends of a Drift System, really cool game. Excellent components as well. I mean, the metal coins in this game, the ships are pre-painted. Um, very, very good-looking game on the table. I have to try right. this one out. Eric, what is your number 13? Okay, my 13 is the final game in this stretch of older Euro games. But it's one that I've only played... Recently, probably like two years ago, I think I first played it. And it was a newer edition of the game. I believe, looking at all this, it is my top auction game. And this one is Medici. And this one, like I said, it's older style Euro where simple rules, 
I mean, you could really teach this game in, in a minute or two, depending. And just the interaction of, you know, how, how do you know when, where someone's breaking point is, you know, do you, do you put a bid on some piece of good just to up someone else's bid? Or do you really want that? And you're trying to play those mind games, but you only have one shot at it. So, and it's such a crazy thing where you're, you're just trying to figure out the right price for the right good and what's going to happen. And then, you know, the whole push your luck on when goods are coming out, you know, like, Hey, you got this one thing on there. This is really good for people. But then you put something else out there and then it slowly just brings down the value or it brings it up. And it's, it's very intense when that happens where you're saying, Oh, I'm going to get some, uh, get some people to bid high on this one and then you kind of just screw yourself or you say, hey, this doesn't look so good right now. But then you bring out another card and you say, okay, that really just made made this one, especially if you're the only one who can get these cards and then you're getting a good deal on something. So that's why I liked it. And plus it's a, it's a game for up to six players and I think it's one of the games when I have six players that I will pull out more than uh, other ones. So there's that. Cool. All right. My number 13 is a small card game from Fantasy Flight Games um, designed by Nate French, Matthew Newman. This is Arkham Horror, the card game. Uh, this is <laughs> one of Fantasy Flight's living card games. I had always been interested in picking up one of their living card games um, over the years um, I came very close to grabbing the Cthulhu one, but then when I heard that they were basically sunsetting that one and retiring it, I really didn't want something that I was going to have to go back through and buy 500 cards for and try to get everything for at um, inflated prices or possibly not be able to complete the you know complete the collection at all. So when I heard Arkham Horror, the card game was coming out, uh, I've already talked about Eldritch Horror and my um, love. Uh, well, I don't want to say love, but you know the way I like um you know, Cthulhu games and Lovecraftian stuff. So I was like, all right, let's try this Arkham Horror living card game and see how this goes. And, and, you know, after getting the base set and learning how to play it and teaching it to a ton of people down at the game store and trying to get some some things going and started up down there, and it didn't seem like I could get a good group going like I did with my Pathfinder card game. Um, but I, I still enjoy it. I am still collecting the game. I'm still purchasing the expansion packs for it. And I'm still having a very, very good time with this game. Um, I still need to play through some of the more late, some of the latest um, expansions that were just released for it. But it's it's a very interesting card game, and it's a very, very hard card game in that the game is very unforgiving. This is a game that uh, you are basically struggling to keep yourself alive and in and sane while playing it, um, trying not to go insane and trying not to die or the biggest things in the game. Um, and they definitely challenge you um, through this game. I've also, I've also kind of, I guess you could say pimped out this game quite a bit. Um, I got <laughs> one of the, the Hobby Lobby cases for this that I have one of the Go 7 inserts um, and Go 7 makes some outstanding inserts. I think I kind of prefer them, I think over broken token. I think we talked about this on a previous podcast before um, I've talked about some of this stuff, um, but I've gotten Stonemeyer games. Um, they're, upgraded components for the game um you know like the brains and 
They have magnifying glasses and all this other stuff. I got a couple easels that I put cards on. Um, you know, at the beginning of the game, I have the big mat. Uh, so it's a game that I've definitely, you know, kind of tried to make a look, look a little bit better. And when I play it, usually down at the game store, uh, a lot of people will stop by and say, wow, that looks really cool what you've done here. Um, I've seen people even take it further than what I've done. Um, and I think I've taken it to to the next level. Um, there are people that have definitely gone above mine. You know, I've taken it to 10. There are people that have gone to 11 or 12 with this game. Um, but it's it's a really fun game. Uh, for being a a a straight card game, um, and I I really enjoy it. I like the theme. I like the stories. I think it's very. I think the stories draw you in and really give you um, some sense of horror while you're actually playing the game. And there aren't too many games that can depict that very well while you're playing them. And that is Arkham Horror, the card game from Fantasy Flight Games. Eric, we are on to your number twelve. Okay, I'm going to kind of continue the same theme of card games right now. And I'm going to go into another block of of certain types of games here, so so bear with me. This one is the first deck building game that I ever bought. And I bought it because of the crazy theme and it looked a lot more interesting than other ones. And it's probably the most risque on my list, and everyone knows I like this one, even though no one ever plays it out in public. It's Tanto Quare. <laughs> you know, when I, I, I mentioned to you when we were at Concoction, you should have been there. There was a Tanto Quare a tournament that was being played at Concoction this past year. Yeah, and I, I, I should have checked it out, but yeah, I mean... The simplest thing is it is Dominion, really, with uh, with a maid theme because the base game is pretty much Dominion. There's really not too much different for it, but there is there is different mechanisms that were actually built into the game from the start of calling your deck and trying to get points a different way than just putting them in your deck, you know, where certain people only score you points if they're out of your deck, and then you can buy other cards that give you certain abilities during the game. So while the basic general thing is, you know, everything's out in piles for you to buy, so you know what's out there, it, it brings different strategies each time. And just with how many different expansions there are, I mean, it's nowhere near Dominion's level of expansions, but I think there's only four out currently. And I know the fifth one will be on its way to me eventually because it's, currently in the in the pipeline and it's been kickstarted which i have everything ordered for already but it's such a simple game that when we first learned how to play it i had no idea what the hell i was doing didn't understand deck building at all but this has been one of my go-tos that unfortunately doesn't get a lot of play from people strictly because of the artwork which is a shame because it is a really great game that I will continue to say good things about for years to come. Cool. I've seen I've seen one or two people playing it down at the at, down at our friendly local game store before. I mean, there was that one time I think I texted you. I was like, "Some girl's down here with her boyfriend, and she has like the whole freaking collection, like you." <laughs> yeah, and I always miss those days. So, all right, my number twelve is a game from twenty seventeen. And it was published by Pandasaurus Games, uh, designed by Jonathan Gilmore, Ben Pinchback, Matt Riddle. 
This is a little game that uh, when people are talking about pickup and deliver style games, um, Weds is the first thing that comes to my mind and one that I will always recommend, and that is Wasteland Express Delivery Service. Ooh, it's um, really high. Uh, Kim and I really have enjoyed the hell out of this one. Um, I don't have too, too many pickup and deliver style games. I mean, I know I've mentioned Zaya as a pickup and deliver style game, but Zaya is definitely more 4X. Um, Wasteland isn't. Wasteland is definitely more um, pick, and del- pick up and deliver. You do have a couple other type of missions that will have you be doing different things than that. Um, but I'm a big post-apocalyptic fan. Kim hates the theme, loves this game for some reason. Can't explain it. <laughs> She, if I tell her this is a post-apocalyptic game, she normally has zero interest in playing the damn thing. It's just a theme that just isn't, isn't, isn't for her. Um, I'm big Mad Max fan, love all that stuff. Um, and when I first heard about this game, I was like, man, that looks really interesting. The way the board's set up, the way you're moving around and all the different things you can do. Uh, and we got it, we learned it and instantly just was playing it multiple times a week. You know, it was just one that we both just really enjoyed and we were both just having a great time playing against each other. Um, It plays good at all player counts. And that is Wasteland Express Delivery Service. If you haven't played it, definitely try to get that one to the table. I really enjoyed that one. All right, Eric, what is your number 11? We were almost to the top 10, but we're on 11. Okay, my number 11. This one pained me a little bit to to keep it at 11 because I thought it might be top 10 material. So it, it just barely missed the cut. So we'll see how it is. Um, I know Dave's going to be a little mad at me for putting this here because it's a game he and I have played a little more recently since we both have this. And I still don't think he's beat me at it. So in your face. I'll get a text message in about two minutes after he hears this. <laughs> and it's Baseball Highlights 2045. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, for anyone who loves baseball, this is exactly the game you need to play. And it is one of the most intense games I've ever found. And every decision that you make really does matter, even if it's... So even if it's a simple one, you know, but you're really trying to manage your hand when to play certain cards. And the one I love doing to mess with people is playing a bunch of pinch hitters because, you know, I'm like, it not only helps me because, you know, I might have some crappy cards in my hand. It also helps me go through my deck a lot more. So it, it people don't really utilize it as much as I've seen but it's something I I've noticed and it really brings some intensity where you really kind of throw in caution to the wind because you don't know what cards what cards are going to come out and so you're you're just throwing up a prayer right now and it's kind of like a real life baseball game where hey you know this isn't working but some guy you know he, he might come over there and work some magic and sometimes it happens here and just the way this game goes, where you're really sitting there fighting for four victories in the World Series, and just the way you can actually have like a massive swing when you're coming down, it's it's crazy and it's so intense. And there's been so many things for it. I think I have everything for this game. I got nice play mats. I've upgraded the the player pawn, so I actually have little batters and runners. 
you know, not just little pawns. It, it's a crazy game, but it's so intense and I love it. And it's one of it's probably the best sports game I'll ever play until maybe the football one that's coming out later. But I like baseball a lot better than football, so this one wins for that. And everyone loves playing as their own team. So cool. This is a game that Kim has actually just asked me because she was looking through her tablet the other day. And I have it on her tablet. And she goes, you need to teach me how to play this one. She goes, I want to play this one. And I was like, well, once I teach it to you, we're probably going to want to buy it. So I don't know if I want to teach her how to play it yet. It's one that's been on my wish list for a while. And I wish I would have kickstarted it like Dave did to just get the whole damn thing. Because um, I know that's what I'm going to want. Because I told her, I go, once we get it, we're going to want the whole thing. We're going to want all the teams. We're going to want the expansions. And I do have some expansions here that I picked up um, from the last uh, – Tabletop Day or whatever it was down at the game store where they had a bunch of promo material. So I have some of the expansions already, um, a few of the small decks, but um, I need to pick this one up already. It's one that's been on my wish list since we've started playing it. Crap. Two years ago, we were going to start that summer league and we we did it for a few weeks and then stopped. We should. We should, we should go back to that because that was fun. It was fun. I, I had I had a good time with that. All right. That was your number 11. My number 11, a game that... I'm not too sure if Kim would be upset that this is just out of my top 10 or not, because this is, I have a feeling this would probably make her top 10 games. It's a game from Simon, um, designed by Flaminia Brissini, Virginio Gigli, Simone Luciani. This is Lorenzo Il Magnifico from 2016. Um, and I wonder if the expansion would actually bump it into the top 10 for me. I don't know why it's out of the top 10. It's so close. Um... But considering it's a Simon game, it has nothing to do with miniatures. Um, I think this was one of their first truly Euro-style games, I think, that they probably released. Um, and definitely, I think, one of their best. Um, I really like this game. Uh, there's the I think You've already talked about this one, I think. you know. So you have the dice that you start off rolling at the beginning of the turn. I love how everybody has to utilize the same type of dice. I love the worker placement in the game. Uh, if you're going to attempt to go to the same column of you know, actions twice. Um, you need to pay additional costs to be able to go there. You can't go there with your normal colored workers. You have to use one of your normal colored workers. Then um, I think like your beige worker is the neutral worker that you have in the game. Uh, with two people, you're covering up some of the spots. I don't think that's a problem in covering up those spots to kind of limit the actions that you have in the game. I think that's kind of a good, a good, um, a good way to handle that. But uh, it's very easy to screw each other over in that the first player getting to go to one of those, if you're both trying to fight over a couple of those spots, those can get heavily contested. And you almost want you to try to see uh, what strategy your opponent's actually using in the game and maybe try to pick a different one and not try to go down the same path. Because if you're constantly fighting for that, there's a good chance you may only get to one of those spots every other turn, which is definitely going to hurt that engine of yours to get going to be able to score those victory points for the end of the game. But uh, Lorenzo El Magnifico, Definitely a very, very fun game. Cannot wait for the expansion to come out. I think it's coming out at the end of the month here. Um, and that is my number 11, just just outside the top 10. But Eric, let's jump into the top 10 with yours. What is your top 10? What is your number 10? Okay. Well, my number 10 is, looking at my list here, the top deck building game. On my list. And it's one that finally came out in America relatively recently, but it's been out in Japan for over five years at least. And 
it's one that I, I, I forced you to play and a few other people to play. And the more I see how, what different actions can come out in the game, it's really made it more intense where it is really just about your deck building that you're not, you're not worrying about a board or anything else. You're really just trying to make good choices and, and it's been pretty intense for a race for points, but uh, my number 10 is Heart of Crown from Japanime, now in America. And this one, I don't know what it was, but every time I play this one, after the base game, because the basic game is just to really show you how to play a deck building game, it's nothing fancy, but with the couple expansions that have been out already, and the different cards that come out and there's so many different ones and so many different combinations which you only use like 10 each game so it's not not like there's a lot of the same game happening but all you're trying to do is just make this good deck and you're trying to sit there and weigh out the uh the choices of when you want to play certain cards and when do you want to buy these succession cards, which are essentially your points. When do you want to inaugurate your princess, which is the main goal, inaugurate your princess and score a certain amount of points with her. And they'll give you certain powers. But it's just the choices that happen every game, it's made it so interesting in comparison to other deck building games that the more you play this, the more I've been able to see little subtleties in it and it's just been like wow that was a really intense game uh and you i don't see that a lot in deck builders where it's just really like okay i'm gonna sit there and do this do this i'm gonna buy this card okay next player's turn where this one i've had a lot of turns where i'm sitting there agonizing over choices where you know do i want to play these cards because i know something else is going to happen or do i want to just suck it up take a take a bad turn it's really weird and intense on how how the choices come out in this game. And that's why I've really grown to love it and kickstarting more versions and expansions that are on the internet soon and right now. So that <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot more variability than I already have right now. So that's my number 10, Heart of Crown. Cool. All right, my number 10 is a game you originally introduced me to, and um, just from saying that, you probably know what this is. It was a game you picked up, I believe, over in Japan, um, published by TMG over here in the States, designed by Hisashi Hayashi. My number 10 game is Yokohama. Mm, it's high for you. Um, it's, I I loved it. I mean, the, I think, you know, that was my was one of my top games, I think, last year or the year before, whenever I included it in my top 10 list. Um, I think it was last year when I did it, because I don't think it came out to the States until 2017, even though they have it listed. BGG has it listed in 2016, because originally it did come out in Japan in that time. And that's that's can really confusing on BGG sometimes the way they do that. <laughs> I know I have a problem with the way they keep track of some of their shit and stuff. So I don't know about that. But um, Yokohama, it's. um. I remember when you kind of started putting out the board, I was like, where the hell is this going? Because you're putting out all these different locations, building almost like what looked like a pyramid style type thing. Um, all these sideboards that, you know, you'll be able to do different actions on. And then when it came down to actually moving your workers around the board, 
um, I was like, wow, okay, you have to set up a path and um, the more workers you have at a location, the better type of action you're going to be able to do. Um, you know, that first time I played it, I was like, okay, wow, that was interesting, but I really need to play that again. Uh, cause it was, you know, there's just so many different things you're trying to learn while playing this game for the first time. And then once you start playing it more, and once I taught this to Kim, it, both of us just really enjoyed this game. Um, we have the deluxified version, of course, um, from TMG. So we got, you know, really, a really nice looking game. Um, but Yokohama, I really just enjoy the whole worker placement style aspect of the game. Uh, and just all the different choices that you have to make in this one. Um, I think it's just really interesting that some of the different sidetracks you could do, like the church and stuff, are are just very interesting because there aren't too many people who normally will... I, I think during a game, there aren't too many people who go for the same strategy from what I've seen, from all the times we've played it. I've never seen people fighting over like, oh, there's two people going for the church or there's two people going down this track. It's like everybody's doing their, their own thing. And then the game just comes together at the end, um, you know, where everybody's just moved up sometimes all over the place. Um, but, you know, I'm still learning to be good at the game. I know there are some people who are way better at this game than me um, down at the store that we play at. Uh, but I still really like it. That's Yokohama. My number 10. What is your number nine? Okay, my number nine is... I'm going to say this is probably the lightest, maybe second lightest game in the top 10 here. And it's still relatively new, but it is one of my favorite drafting games. And the production values of this kind of help, but just on how simple this game is, yet how deep and trying to get into someone's head this game can be. I've really learned to love it a lot more than when I first initially got it and picked it up when I was just merely like saying, saying that's uh, that looks really interesting and I want to try it, but my number nine is Azul. And I didn't think it was going to be this high, but the more I've played it, the more I've realized the little subtleties in the game. And... I'm sitting there trying to think of optimal strategies where you're maybe sitting there trying to count how many moves somebody has left in a round and you're sitting there trying to weigh out like, okay, which moves are best for me? How do I draft this stuff? And it's just been really intense where some games you're trying to sit there and be sneaky where you're saying, oh, I'm just going to draft like one little tile at a time and make sure everyone gets all these these big chunks out of the way and then you end up getting screwed by like losing like two rounds worth of points which I've seen happen to myself as well so it's been pretty crazy but we'll see how that works out and I don't know what it is it's such a simple game but the the production values made it a little bit better and I can't I don't understand what it was about this game but it's just been so interesting decision-wise for me each time. So that's why I love it. Number nine, Azul. All right, Eric, that was your number nine. Let's jump over to my number nine right now. My number nine is a game I can guarantee you've never played. Um, I don't even know if you've possibly even heard of it. Um, it is a game from 2013. 
It is published by Gotha Games, designed by Alessandro Lala. This is Race Formula 90. The hell are you talking about? So this is um it's a deck builder, actually. It's it's a Formula One deck building racing game, basically, is the gist of the game. Ooh. Um but it's I mean, if you were to look at racing games and we were to say, you know, Formula Day is at one side, automobiles is maybe in the middle, race formula ninety is all the way over to the other side. Um, <laughs> because it's definitely a heavier it's 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 definitely a lot more than automobiles. <laughs> um for being a deck builder is definitely a little bit trickier uh what you're doing with this game and just understanding how cornering works and everything like that i mean when i was learning how to play it i was hitting the board game geek forums very hard um trying to download as many examples as i could of how you handle different things in this game um and they have uh the the cars the the, the formula one cars that come with the game are small plastic ones i think they are and they look okay, but uh, Gotha Games actually released some pre-painted metal ones that I've always been looking for, and I've never really been able to find. I could have purchased them from their website, um, but then I'd have to import them and everything, and I just never did that. I've just always played with the base games, but um, I might have to pull this out one day. We might have to play this one. Uh, I, I haven't played it in a little while, but uh, as far as deck builders go, it's racing games. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's one that I've really enjoyed. It is, like I said, it's definitely a little on the heavier side. Um, you know, that example I gave of it is completely opposite of Formula Day and it's a step up from, you know, automobiles even. Um, so race Formula 90. Um, I had to have a racing game in my top 10. This is one that made it. I like Formula One. So this was pretty much my my go to game for that, I would say. That's my number nine race Formula 90. Let's jump on to Eric's number eight. OK, my number eight is I believe this is the first medium weight Euro game that I ever really bought myself without intro- without being introduced to it by anyone else. And I liked it based on the theme, and I really had no idea how these types of games would work, so I was kind of proud of myself that when I was first playing modern games, you know, this is one of the first ones I ended up learning myself and taught a bunch of people. And I didn't get to teach a lot of people at the game store this one until relatively recently. So I know a lot of people haven't really heard of it or tried it before. And I believe it's one of the most under the radar Euro games of the past few years. So my number eight is Shakespeare. And the reason I like this game is of how tight everything is. It's it's a game where you're really sitting there trying to make decisions at the right time and you're trying to anticipate what everyone else is going to do. And the whole combination of drafting new characters that will eventually give you more actions and when to take those actions and also when to bid for a certain number of actions, it... It made a lot of interesting choices to me, and it still does. The backstage expansion, I think, kind of made a good game into a great game where you're really trying to play mind games with people, and you're really trying to figure out when's the best way to do certain things. 
and when to make your certain characters rest based on who you use so you can't keep exploiting the same thing over and over again. And just how you react to other players' decisions also brings a lot into it where they may do something that totally screws your plan over or they do something that you weren't even planning for and you got to start worrying saying, hey, do I want to try to fix that or do I take the hit based on where I want? And I don't know, it's just been such a crazy thing. I mean, the, people say it's not a very thematic game, which I think it is. I mean, the art style is great and you're really just trying to make a play. I mean, you're not trying to act out a play like people think is going to be a Shakespeare game where you're really just trying to prepare everything. I thought it made a lot of sense. And I don't know, it's just one of those games that every time I play it, it's like, why don't I play this more? Or why don't we play this again right now? And I just really love it. But that's it. That's my number eight. That's Shakespeare. Oh, you know, my number eight is a is a newer game. And in looking at my top 10, I don't have I have a couple of new games on there, but not too, too many, but this is definitely newer. Uh, this is one we've done a video for. It's been one of our more popular videos on the site um, and on our YouTube channel. It's um, from 2018 um, from AEG, Aldrac Entertainment Group, designed by Mike Elliott, Brian Reese, Mark Wooten. And this is Thunderstone Quest. Um, I had started playing Thunderstone um, during the Thunderstone Advanced stage. Uh, Kim had gotten me that for my birthday very early on. Uh, we didn't play it right away. Um, when we finally did get it to the table, I really, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. Um, definitely not the cleanest of systems, probably. Um, from what I've heard, it had improved over the original Thunderstone. But Quest, Thunderstone Quest, they went back and revamped it. And wow, I have to say, I really like what they've done with the dungeon. I think the cards and everything that they've given you in this huge box that, I mean, almost takes up one whole calyx spot on my shelf. I mean, is just flipping insane how big this <laughs> box is. I mean, it is it's heavy as hell too. Um, but Thunderstone Quest is just a lot of fun. Um, like I said, one of our more popular videos. It's gotten a lot of review, a lot of um, thumbs up. It's gotten a lot of views. A lot of time people have watched it. Um, and I'm definitely want to get more videos out like that one. And it's it's a really fun game too. Um, as far as deck builders go. Uh, I really like in the in the new one, you know, when you're doing your your uh, like your city action, you're moving your character around and then you can kind of still sometimes go to the dungeon um, if you have the right card and you can't go down into the dungeon, but you can go to the top and fight the one monster that's right there. And um, it reminds me of Clank a little bit where you can take some actions and then if you have enough um, attack built up, you know, you can kind of like ping that rat or whatever the hell it is that's there, you know. Um, just to get a little gold or something like that. You know, you kind of do the same thing with Thunderstone. Um, if you're taking one of the top actions on the board, you know, you can sometimes move your move your character over there if you have... Um, is it the Thunderstone that lets you do that or the light, the lamp? I can't remember what it is right now off the top of my head because um, I got so many games going through my mind right now. Um, <laughs> but you can kind of jump over there and, you, like I said, you can't go down into the dungeon, but you can still do an attack um, to at least get some possible gold and stuff from them. Um, but it's just, the system has definitely cleaned itself up and it's, it's a lot of fun. I definitely want to play more of the different scenarios that they've put in the huge campaign book as well. Um, so it's definitely one I need to get to the table more, but that was my number eight. Um, and then looking at my game, there's a couple deck builders up here. So, but Ooh. I had just talked about a deck builder as well. So that is, 
Um, yeah, that that's a good deck builder for me. Thunderstone Quest, my number eight. Eric, what is your number seven? Okay, my number seven <clears throat> is probably, I believe it is one of the very first games I bought when I started buying modern board games. And it's obviously my favorite of the first ones I've bought because I fell, I feel like it's not a light gateway game and I believe it's stood many years of play so far. And I believe this is my favorite card drafting game. And it's Seven Wonders. And number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Did you plan that? No, I didn't. It, it just kind of happened that way. But I don't know. Every time I play this game, I end up like just getting totally dragged into it all the time. And I want to keep playing it because... I, I start realizing, you know, like maybe you got to start taking these cards here and do this one. You start just really looking into the game more and more. And it's so crazy how it just takes over me when I when I play it. And like I get really obsessed when when I start playing Seven Wonders. And that's even just playing like the base game. You know, I could sit there and do it with the base game or with with any of the expansions, you know, bring it all on. It's it's still fun to me, and I i mean, I've been playing modern games for like four or five years now, and this came out before then, so, but, but, so I've been playing this for at least four years, and it's still not something I'm sick of, and I don't think I will get sick of, and they're finally releasing more expansions for it, too, so I have more excuses not to get sick of it in the future. But I don't know, it's it's just something that gets me every time. I, I love the the theme of the Seven Wonders. And I don't know, it's just crazy game. Love it. It's so simple. It's just just hard enough for new people not to pick up so easily because it took us a little bit to understand it when we were first learning it. But once you get to it, this is probably my top card drafting game and it's going to be really hard for other things to to kick it out of that spot. Cool. So seven, seven wonders. All right. My number seven is a small game. Um, who the hell published it in the U S here? Cause I know what board game geek is currently saying is not uh real grand games. That's who did it. Um, designed by Matt Gertz, 2013 Concordia. Coincidentally, I just played it the other day. Oh, Again. I'm jealous. I am jealous. <laughs> I haven't taught this one to Kim yet. I've only played it down at the game store, I think. And I've played it several times down at the game store. And every time I play this game, I just, I think, fall in love with it more. Um, you've talked about it. And I think what you had said about the game was quite well. It's the action selections that you're doing um, with the cards that you have and trying to obtain the resources in this one, I think, is just... The mechanisms are just very, very interesting in this game. I, I really enjoy trying to just get, build up that engine in this game and trying to get that going. Um, being able to copy off of a card that your opponent has played, I think is very interesting as well. Um, but the first time I played it, I was just like, mm, wow, that's really interesting. I'd kind of like to play that again, and it's... It's one I think we play 
several times a year down there, um, especially during our 24-hour gaming marathons down there. Sometimes this game always makes it to the table, I think. The past couple of years, every time I've gone down there for that, we play this game at least once during that time. And I think that's when it was introduced to me first off. And, you know, and I finally got my own copy because it was kind of out of print there for a little while. I need to pick up some of the expansions. I haven't gotten the expansions yet. Um, but Concordia is by number seven. Eric, we're almost to the top five. What is your number six? Okay, my number six. And usually most of my list tends to piss off Dave. And I'm going <laughs> to piss off you, Joe. Really? Because I know... You hated this game. I don't when, hate any when games. you first played it, and I actually really liked it. And I didn't buy it when I first played it because I wasn't sure of when I was actually going to be able to play it outside of the game store. Because at that point, you know, no one in my family was really into the medium Euro games or really understood them. And so I picked it up relatively recently, finally, and it ended up becoming a big hit with me and Yuki, which I was surprised, but pleasantly surprised for. My number six is Grand Austria Hotel. And I know you like games from the same designers. I don't know mm-hmm. why you don't like this one. I know you. I know why you didn't like this one because of how the. Uh, how the iconography was and everything. I say the new second edition printing, it really got rid of all that. Everything is pretty clear. So we had no problem learning everything over when we started playing this new one. And this game is just Combo City. And if you like making combos in games... This is probably one of the ultimate ones because you're sitting there just trying to do as much as you can with you have 14 moves the whole game, but these combos make it feel like you've got so many more and then you're really trying to balance out different things and when to go up on certain tracks because you can lose certain things. It's been a crazy thing. I love the whole building up your hotel, the whole spatial aspect of it and when to time certain things. It's one of the better, it's probably my favorite dice drafting game, I believe, if I'm looking at these right. And it's just been such an interesting game each time. And just, the, it's it's hilarious, like the little Easter eggs in the artwork, Those I always get a kick out of those. And it's just such a nice, simple game, especially with two players. It's really quick. I mean, you might be able to do it in an hour but it felt like you played a lot more and it feels like you played a lot more than 14 moves. And that's, that's it. And it's, it's another great medium weight Euro game that isn't really that hard to pick up. Yeah. I I definitely need to play this one again. Uh, The first time we played it, it was right after it had come out. We tried it and I just felt like the game was playing us. We weren't playing it. It just seemed like um, it was just a struggle to play and it just wasn't, I just couldn't get into it. I mean, there was just so many convoluted things with the rules. It was just, it just seemed so, which I, and I know it's from the same guy who did, it's from the same designer who did Lorenzo Magnifico, which I, you know, crap, that was my number 11. Um, you think that Grand Austria Hotel would 
probably be up there as well for me. But um, I, I maybe I probably do need to play the newer version because I've only tried it the one time and just instantly was just completely turned off from the game. And I know you even pimped your game out a little bit. You even don't you have the upgraded resources and stuff for that one? Haven't you gotten all the little fancy little foods and drinks yeah, and things of like that? Just the little cubes. I got you know cake and wine and and whatever else is in there. We'll have to play this again because Kim even was looking at that one the last time we were down at the down at the game store and she was like, "What's this?" And I was like, "I didn't like it. We need to play it before we buy it." <laughs> so she was like, "Okay." <laughs> well, I will bring it over. I will show you. Wait, yeah, we'll I'll show you that, that you're one. missing I, out on it. I definitely want to try it. Well, especially like I said, especially since we like since we both love Lorenzo so much, I. It, it could have just been that first time of us playing the game and just kind of just left a bad taste in my mouth, but I definitely would give it another go. You need to. So, all right. My number six is a game I believe you have already talked about. A game from 2014, originally put out by DLP Games um, in the U.S., put out by TMG, designed by Reiner Stockhausen. This is one of my favorite bag-building games, Orleans. Uh, the first time I played this down at the local game store, I was just like, okay, I am into this whole bag building mechanism. I just was enamored by this thing. I loved it. Um, trying to put your different workers on the board in front of you, take different actions to either upgrade them, um, try to move around on the board and take over and build out different locations. You know, your buildings over there. Um, get resources there as well. Um, we have the, all the expansions for this one. Um, Kim and I have done a video using um, playing with the second expansion, actually. And um, I, from the first time I played Orleans, this game has just always probably been in my top 10 from, from that first day on. It's a game. Sometimes you just play something and you're just like, I like this game and I I will always like this game. And this is this is one of those games for me. Orleans just fits that bill. It's it's one that we've played a lot and one we don't get tired of, especially with the expansions and the way we can mix it up. Uh, the one expansion where you're using this, that came from the second expansion set, where there's a lot of take that. We're not even the biggest fans of that one, um, and we don't mind take that, but it just seems like it's you're almost concentrating too much on trying to take your opponent down and not building up your own engine, um, which to us just really... You know, I I think that might fit better at more more player count at a higher player count, but with just two people, I didn't. Neither of us really cared for it too much, which is surprising because usually we're completely game and looking for something where we can try to hinder or you know screw around with each other. Um, but I think that one definitely didn't play as well with two players. Um, I haven't had a chance to try. I don't know if I've tried that one at the higher player count with that particular board, um, but still. Um, Orleans, I, I have a feeling will always be in my top 10. It'd be, it's going to be hard to knock that one out. That is my number six. We're into the top five here, brother. What is your number five? Okay. My number five is a game that when I was learning it up at the game store, I think I immediately went online and ordered it right afterwards because they didn't have it at the store at the time. And it combines one of my favorite things now in Euro games with I, I love randomness of dice and different choices you can make with them. And this one I feel is one of the easier 
games to pick up and one of the harder games to really master, but my family that I've shown this one so far, they've all been able to pick it up and understand it pretty well, so we've all been able to play it many times just because it's been so easy to pick up and remember after not playing it for a while. My number five is my favorite Stefan Feld game, Castles of Burgundy. And you talked about it, I think, last episode, so yep. I won't go into yep. it, but it's just such a simple thing on what can you do when random things happen to you. Kind of sounded like Hulk Hogan right there, but I don't care. <laughs> but but it's, it's just, hey, roll this dice, see what you can do with these two dice every turn. How can you get points off it? And there's, it's a weighing of what do you want to do now? What do you want to do in the long run? And it, every game is just so interesting to me and so simple. And it goes by so fast, too provided you're playing with people who know and, you know, don't do that, especially with two players, that game goes by really quickly and it's really nice for a two player Euro game. And I, I love building up that whole board too. I, mm-hmm. you know, that that's one, I love games where you're doing things spatially now that I've learned that one. And this one is really great. And especially all the combos that you pretty much have to do in order to, to score well, if you like combo games, this is one of them. And that's my number five, Castles of Burgundy. Cool. All right. My number five, um, I'm going to say it's kind of like two games, I guess you could say, because it's more of a, how do I want to say this? It's more of the whole theme of the, I can't think of the word what, I, when I, when I, what I'm trying to say here. It's more, Well, let me just say it. All right. My number five is from 2011, Vlada Shavadal. It was published by WizKids. It's Mage Knight, the board game. Mm. So what I was just trying to talk about was um, Mage Knight is a game that Kim and I have both loved for years. Um, when we first started dating, we started playing Mage Knight Dungeons. And that was basically a dungeon crawler game, which I've talked about before, where you're taking your party into the dungeons, trying to kill each other. Monsters in the dungeon, get treasure and get out and see who can get the most treasure at the end of the game. Now, Mage Knight, the board game, is kind of turning the whole Mage Knight universe, and that's, I guess, that's the word I was looking for, um, the Mage Knight universe, into a board game. Now, this is um, a heavier board game. Uh, it's, in essence, a deck builder, but there's a little bit more going on besides deck building, and there's a lot that you can do. Um, it's uh, definitely a favorite solo game of mine. And um, what they've done with it, I would kind of say Mage Knight in general, the board game in Dungeons is probably my number five because I just like both of them, even though they're completely different. I'm not going to put them twice, you know, separately onto my list. Um, but the board game is very fun. And uh, it's it's one that I picked up very early on and it took me um, many hours to learn to play. This is another game like um, Race Formula 90, where it was read the rules, um, watch a few videos, go out to Board Game Geek, um, read some more rules, and then, okay, now I think I might be ready to try to play this damn game. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one you probably want to play either solo or maybe with another person. Um, I've never played it more than that. I've known some people who have tried to play this um, 
you know, three or three plus players. It's definitely a lot longer of a game when you're doing that. Um, but it's definitely a great, great solo game. That's Mage Knight the Forge game. And I'm throwing Mage Knight Dungeons in there as well because I have to mention um, Mage Knight Dungeons on my list because if I don't, that would be doing a complete disservice because that was really probably um, one of the games that Kim and I would play constantly as we were dating very early in our in in the years that we were together. Mm. I mean, that was we were playing that before. I mean, I, I don't know if I would consider Mage Knight Dungeons a modern board game, but we were playing that, you know, 15 plus years ago, if not more. Um, so and that was before we were really playing board games on a, you know, as much as we are, we were we were play, playing that one like almost every weekend. Hmm. All right. That was my number five. And I talked about a couple of games there. <laughs> but we're going to jump on to Eric's number four. Okay, my number four, I will not go into too much because it's already been talked about today. Uh-oh. But it's one of the few games that I've bought multiple times. Uh, <laughs> I was the one that introduced this to you from Japan. And we got the deluxified versions afterwards to Yokohama. And the reason why it's so high is just the variability of this game and how many different strategies you can do. Because I think every game I've played of this, I've tried something differently. And even when you're sitting there doing something that's similar to what you've done in the past, you can always break from that and go in a completely different direction, and you see how viable everything is, and you start seeing how to be more efficient and you know make something out of a, sim- a small move. You can make it something really big, and I think the more I've played it, the more I've been able to see that, and I've been able to just see how how good you can do each game, and you know you may not be scoring more points every game when you do when you do different things but you can pretty much score similar very close to what you've done in the past doing different things and i think doing that makes it interesting that you're saying hey you know i did this completely different still came up with the same score so it's it's very viable and then it's fun some of the mind games you do get to play with people because you know i've I know I've done things that people at the store have tried to copy afterwards. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go do something completely different afterwards. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, because nobody's getting points here. So I'm just going to do this. And it's just great. It's, it's fun to see how many different things you can do. And this one is really clicked with me from the first time I played it. And it's probably one of my most played medium to heavy euro games i believe it is actually so there's that the the only reason it's not a little higher is because i've i'm ended up playing it so much i i don't get like anywhere close to losing (laughs) so it's like it's like shit man i like i want to play with people i mean so i know i play with old jim and he's getting better at he's starting to catch up to me on there so it's it's nice so you know, it's it's bringing more love in, into the game for me that I'm actually sitting there trying to play a little, a little better now than just exploring. You're trying to be as efficient as I can. So, it's it's a game that I think everybody that we've taught that to mm-hmm. um, has enjoyed it instantly. I mean, I can't think of anybody that we've taught that to that has walked away and said, mm, "I don't care for that." I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that with that game. No, 
I mean, every everybody everybody has has really enjoyed that game. So, yeah, I'm glad that you put that one that high. All right. My number four is a game, um, like Eric just said, it's a game that's already been mentioned, so I won't go into too, too much details on this one. I think you had mentioned it a little earlier today. I don't think it was um, in our last podcast. 2016, published by Stronghold Games, designed by Alex Xander Fister, Great Western Trail. This was my number one game a couple of years ago. Um, I had chosen this one as my number one game over... Um, Terraforming Mars, when everybody was choosing Terraforming Mars, I enjoyed the Rondell, like Eric said. I enjoyed just everything with this game just a little bit more. I think the length of the game is perfect. I cannot wait for the expansion to come out for this one this year. I am so looking forward to this one. Kim is too. Um, when that instantly comes out, we'll be doing a video for this one immediately. Um, but uh, since Eric's already talked about it, I won't go into too, too much of it, but that's my number four, Great Western Trail. Excellent, excellent game. If you have not played this one, Find a copy, get it to the table, and enjoy yourself for the evening. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. We are on to Eric's number three. Okay, my number three is a game that I finally played somewhat recently. And... I learned. I someone else taught it to me after I bought it because I I really wanted to learn it first, and then I finally did play it and I said okay, I really like this one. Played it a few more times and I'm like okay, this is one of those games that I really enjoy. It's another dicey Euro game, combined with some worker placement, which I you know I'm not the biggest fan of, but. The dice games, I'm I'm coming around on those. I really like those. And this one, it brings back a lot of combos along with spaces moving on a board. So it has that little spatial aspect, but then it also has unique player powers and almost like a deck building feel for worker placement where people can get new actions that are maybe unique to them. So my number three is The Voyages of Marco Polo. And this this is my favorite from the designers of this game. I've talked about Grand Austria Hotel and Lorenzo a while back. But this this game, as soon as I played it, I was like, wow, this is really awesome. And I, I liked how, I love how the dice go just using them to take your different actions and when to utilize them since your lowest dice are pretty much what you're using. So there's that. I love the whole board aspect for some reason. I don't know why. It's just crazy and how you're trying to move around there to maybe get some more actions unlocked for you. And each game of this I've played so far has been very different where one game I'm traveling around the board In one game, I'm just going back to the market just to get more things because I have some space unlocked on the board where I can just sit there and exchange points for these resources that I got. And I'm I'm the only one that's able to do that. So, hey, just keep doing this. And then to top it all that with the crazy player powers that everything has, that it makes your strategy change every game where you're not worried about doing something because your, your power is taking care of that for you and 
the variability in that and how the board changes with the cards that come out on the spaces, the player powers, obviously the dice are different every game. It's been one that it just, it hits my head just in the right spot every game and I just keep enjoying it. And I think it is going to be one that I'll play for years to come, especially since I have all the expansions now. So there's that, or even the mini expansion that was out of print, that's back in print, which I have that now. The new expansion, there's a lot more. And I finally got purple as a player color, so I'm happy. Woo! I agree with that. <laughs> Love purple. <laughs> All right. My number three. That's you know what I, the one thing I like about that game. I like the dice stacking. That whole that whole that whole piece apart and mechanism in the game. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of interesting. So, Why isn't it even though that game, top even, even though that game, game didn't make my list, I don't know why it didn't. I like it. I just never, I don't know. It's dice. You know me and dice. Mm-hmm. We'll change. Dice that. hate me. Um, although my next game has dice in it, but they are specialty dice. This is probably one of the newer games that um, was just that I recently got added to my collection. It's a game from 2017. Can kick myself in the ass for not actually contributing and being part of this Kickstarter. Because damn, I wish I would have gotten all of the stuff for this game. Um, it was published by Aries Games, designed by Simone Romano, Nunzio Sarase. Um, this is Sword and Sorcery. So you oh, probably wow. haven't heard me. You probably haven't heard me talk about this game too much. But um, uh, besides playing uh, Mage Knight Dungeons early on in you know our, my relationship with Kim, uh, one of the other things that we did and we were very into was Ashron's Call, one of the early MMOs um, that I had gotten into um, shortly after it was released. Um, this sort of sorcery really reminds me of an MMO in in a board game style. Um, it is cooperative, so I was surprised that Kim actually would even attempt to play this one, but she does. Um, and it's really interesting in that, you know, as you're going through the dungeon, if you die, your character flips over, you become a ghost. There are certain actions you can actually do while in ghost form, um, but then you can respawn at one of the spawn points, kind of like, you know, in Ashron's Call, they were lifestones, kind of like um, in World of Warcraft, you know, where you have your different spawn points and where you're where you're kind of bound to. Um, you'll re- respawn and you can run right back to the fight and continue going again. Um, so you're not really out of the game once you die. And I think some of that, along with the campaign, is what has just... I mean, when I first started reading the rules, I was just sitting there and I was like, this is... This is like an MMO board game. I go, this is okay. This is completely right up my alley and what I'm looking for as far as a dungeon crawl goes. Um, And it's just, I think it's just really cool. Um, The dice are really nice. I think the board and the tiles that they give you in the game are are really good. Um, I have some of the doors that actually make, make it look like 3d doors and everything like that. Um, The miniatures are definitely nice, but um, not perfect. I will say, um, I know when um, I had taken some of my uh, miniatures out of the box, some of the swords that were supposed to be straight long swords were a little kind of like S-curved. So I need to fix some of those. But um, other than that, um, like I said, I really wish I would have gotten into the Kickstarter on this one and would have gotten the expansions that came with it and all the stuff that you could have gotten with that Kickstarter copy. And I just bought the retail copy. I wasn't even going to spend hundreds for a Kickstarter copy. Although I really, really wanted to, <laughs> um, but it's 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 just that whole 
that whole thing that just was nostalgic for me with MMOs. I really haven't been playing any games like that on the computer recently. Um, I know I've been playing a little bit of Shroud of the Avatar lately um, and a little bit of Neverwinter, but th there really just hasn't been any. Since they shut down Ashron's Call on us a, a year or two ago now, I think it was a year ago, um, I just kind of was taking a break from them. And it was just nice to be able to experience that and get that feeling in a board game. Because mm. those are games that, I mean, I've been playing those. I mean, I started playing Ashron's Call back in um, December of, no, January of 2000, because it was released in November of 99. I start playing in January of 2000, and I had played that on and off over the past basically 17 years that I had been around. So... I mean, being able to play a board game that really reminded me of that and gave me that sort of feeling again was, I think, the, was what jumped it up so high in my list. So that's my number three, Sword and Sorcery. Eric, we're down to your top two. Oh. What is your number two? Okay, number two. I had a really tough decision because I had this as number one. For a, for a minute there, and I, I kept going back and forth between these two, because mainly because this one, I play a lot more, and th this is definitely my most played game that's not solo games, so m most I've ever played with multiple people, and it's one that every time I have shown it to someone, or even afterwards... We never play one game. It's at least two, more likely three, four, or five, depending on where we are. And it's also from a genre I like and dislike at the same time. Because I do like, I love deduction games, but I don't like social deduction games as much. But this one is one of my favorites, and it is my favorite social deduction game. It's Deception, Murder, in Hong Kong. Wow. And this was your number two. Holy crap. Like wow. I said, okay. it, was, it was number one for a little bit, but I had to, I wow. made a decision after that. So, so You made an executive decision. Yeah, I had to make an executive decision. But th this one, every time I'm playing it, it's always a fun story. And the whole metagame that happens with this one, after you play it with people multiple times, you start, it, it, it brings even better stories because, you know, some people are sitting there trying to actually play it like you're actually trying to tell a story of, you know, like why people are trying to find these clues. And sometimes you're just being like dead honest about someone like, oh, you know. Uh, well, I'm the one giving the clues here, but, you know, the person who committed this uh, crime, uh, you know, it seems like they were lovers with the victim. And then someone's like, oh, man, you know, that's, oh, it's a crime of passion. And, and uh, you know, you know, let's look for like some something that two lovers would have when in actuality, I'm just saying, they're saying like, hey, look at my wife. You know, like, like it, it's, you know, something as simple as that. So you have like these crazy things where you're trying to understand where, you know, is this person trying to be straightforward outside of the game or are they trying to play it thematically you know are they trying to be a smart ass and give us something very simple you know like like are there some chemicals in this place and oh coincidentally someone's got chemicals right in front of them dave <laughs> <laughs> that 
was the flipping best. <laughs> that was so it, awesome. That was a great game. But it, it's, it's game. just so every time you play this, you're like, damn, you're just having a good time and laughing. And, and it's even the, the Euro gamers who, who, you know, don't play social deduction games. They can get into this one because it's almost like a puzzle they're trying to solve. And it, it's, it's, it's not hard to, to play, but it's, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to do well with, you know, and you you really start to gain experience. It's almost like you're playing an RPG with everyone where, you know, hey, like, you know, step your game up, figure figure this shit out. Who Who's going to do this? And it's it's really great. And there's always a story after every game. So it's it's funny as hell. Right, Dave? And, w- and with Dave, usually a good story. <laughs> All right. All right. That was Eric's number two. My number two uh, was my number one game of last year. That should pretty much give it away. Oh, I forgot what you said. Um, It's from 2017. This was a Kickstarter. Again, again, a game I wish I would have Kickstarted, and I came so close to and didn't, and then had to wait until the second printing to get my damn copy. Um, It was published by Mind Clash Games, um, designed by Richard Aman, Victor Peter, and David Tertzi. Um, Anachrony. This is oh. a worker placement oh. game, and um, it was my number one last year. It had to pretty much be in my top five. I mean, Great Western Trail was right above this, too. Um, that was my number one game the year before. Um, but Anachrony is a game that I really enjoy. Worker placement, down. Um, space sci-fi theme, I'm down with. Um, the time travel component in this game and aspect, what? It's okay. I, I w- That works outstanding the way they did that. Um, so this game is huge. You put it onto the table. There are so many little bits and pieces to this game. Your mind's going to be like, what? Um, but uh, once you kind of learn how to play, it's actually not too difficult to actually understand and see where the game's going. Um, the, the different actions that your worker's going to be able to do, how you're going to be able to, um, you know, get resources um, from the future and then have to go back and pay for them you know, if you don't want to possibly lose some points later on in the game. Um, really interesting game. Thematically, very nice. Um, the miniatures in the game are pretty cool. Um, although I think most of the times when we played it, we don't use the actual miniatures because I think the way they are, they're so big. And, you know, Brian was kind of right when he was teaching it. The first time he kind of was just like, he kind of just wanted everybody to see the board. Um, after the first time, I think you could probably start using the miniatures. Your first game, it's probably best to not use those miniatures because I think they do take up so much space. It's really hard to kind of see around them and what other actions and things are going on the board because they just blocks the line of sight from so much. Um, but it's, it's a game that I, like I said, another game like Sword and Sorcery, wish I would have kickstarted it. I came extremely close to kickstarting it. And at that time, I think I had bought some other games at the time and I was like, mm, I really can't afford this right now. Let's just hold off. I'll get it at retail. And then it was like sold out so quick, you know, you really couldn't get it at retail. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I finally got my copy. I got my mechs. I love the game. Anachrony is my number two game. Eric, we're going into our, our number ones. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? No, not really. All right. Well, that's a, a, now that you kind of just brought on the whole show and nobody cares what our number ones are. Exactly. <laughs> Eric, exactly. What is you don't your, need what my, is my number two was my number, number one, you know? Number one. Okay. My number one was a game I had no interest in playing ever until I did. 
And the reason I chose this over Deception is because I always have a great time doing this one. And I think it just has just as many funny stories about this game in my experience than Deception. But this one is... The stories are a little bit better because you're really competing with everyone around there. And I know people don't say Euro games are very thematic, but I feel this one is one of the most thematic Euro games. And it's probably one of the Euro games that tells like a really awesome story in the gameplay, even though story has nothing to do with this one. It's an economic game where you're trying to make the most money. And it's probably one of the ugliest games ever that you talked about before, so I will just say it's Food Chain Magnate. That's your number one? Uh, yep. Holy <laughs> shit! Oh my god, I didn't know that. Wow. Okay, we need an explosion sound. I'm going to have to put in an explosion sound right here. <laughs> it, 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 it took me a while, but every, t- every time I play it, I'm always having a crazy time, even if I suck at at this game. I mean, I there's been a few times I've won it. There's been times I've lost it, but every time it's always something great. It's really a clash of of minds to see who the hell can be better. It's very cutthroat, which is super fun, and it it's it's really fun when you actually lose by like one bad move. Cause I think the last time I did play it, I think I did one bad move at the wrong time and it cost me the game where I lost by like two points or two bucks. And it's always like, damn man, you're, it's, you're just thinking about it all the time. And every time you play it, you're talking for a while afterwards and you're really analyzing everything. And it's one of the few games that you actually can do that. And it's, it's so intense and just the different things you can do each game. I know a lot of people say, you know, hey, you know, stick to this strategy, but it's fun doing other ones. And it's fun trying to outsmart people and really try to, you know, just prove that you're a better businessman than they are, you know, quote unquote. But yeah, every time I play it, it's I, it's funny because I'm not the, the heavy Euro gamer that you are, but. My number one is the heaviest game on the list. Wow, that's so. I, I am just very fun. impressed. I am very impressed. Yeah, so I was hoping when you were talking about it before, you wouldn't say anything because I'm like, oh, I can't say this is here. All right, um, my number one game. I I can guarantee I've I've played Food Chain Magnate, so I agree. Great game. I, I'm surprised it. I'm surprised it didn't end up higher on my list. Mm-hmm. In looking at my list, it probably should have. Yeah. Um, but I know you've never played my number one game. I've heard you, you. I've mentioned it a few times, but I know you've never played it. My number one game is um, from 2013, published by World Spanner, designed by Brett G. Mural. That is Duel of Ages 2. Oh, yes, you do talk about this. So from the first time. Um, so down at our game store, we have several different gyms. We have several different Joes. And the one Joe who taught me this, we nicknamed him Beard Joe, although I have a beard now as well. Um, <laughs> when he showed me this game, it's I've only, I played a two player. Um, I might I might have played a three player once, um, but it plays from what it says here, two to six. I think it could actually play more. 
um, because each person can control one character. So I think it'll play up to eight. Um, it does play up to eight. That's right. Um, I, I've mainly played this as a two-player game. Uh, this is a game Kim just hasn't really enjoyed when I've tried to teach her, and it kills me because I'm like, this is my favorite game. Please love this like I do. <laughs> Um, and she just doesn't care for it. And I don't know why, um, in duel of ages two, I think one of the things I like about the game is each person has, um, kind of like their, I don't want to say army, but basically, you know, a group of individuals and characters, and they're from different ages of time. Hence the name duel of ages. The game plays similar to probably like the hunger games in that your characters spawn in these different spawn points on the map. What you're trying to do is you can try to go around and kill your opponents for victory points. You can capture your opponents and put them back into your jail cell and your main um, area um, for victory points. You can go around and invade opponents' um, main home, their main home area, kind of like their 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 area uh, for victory points. There's different areas on the board where you will go down and try to. Um, do different missions, I guess you could kind of say, as you're going down into these different areas, um, as you get deeper into those areas, um, it's usually a little harder, and um, the tests that you have to overcome are a little more difficult. But the thing that's really interesting when I say it's kind of like Hunger Games is your characters are characters that are throughout all of time. So there are characters from the past, um, there's characters from, like, the Western time period. There's characters, you know, you could be playing. Your team could consist of Annie Oakley. It can consist of Elliot Ness. It could consist of some alien from an alien race and um, some sort of jock, like a football player from modern <laughs> times. And as you're going around the board, and you could even have people from... Like medieval times, you can have like a, a wizard running around and that wizard could be running around with a laser pistol in their hand. <laughs> I mean, so it the game is when you say it like that, it just sounds crazy. But when you start running around the board and actually getting different weapons and trying to find gear that, you know, your different characters can use and then all of their different abilities that they have um, and they all have different different types of abilities. Um, it's just a great, great skirmish style game, um, that, you know, that you're going for victory points. You know, like I said, there's multiple ways you can get victory points in this game. Uh, and, and from the first time, um, Joe had taught it to me, I was like, I need to own this game. This is just, just, I was just like, what? This is freaking insane. How can a wizard be running around with a 45 shooting people? <laughs> you know? Um, and it's, it's just, it was just crazy. And I was, I, I love the combat because there's no dice. There's a deck of cards. And when you flip over the deck of cards, based on your attack, your defense and everything like that, um, you're going to look down on the card and there's different columns you'll look in and you'll see where you go. You know, it's the, the deck is variable, kind of like, um, a nice bell curve. Uh, so there's extremes on one end, you know, there's like an, a card that's going to be an instant miss. There's going to be a card that's an instant hit, but then there's a nice variability of cards in that deck that are simply like a bell curve. 
Um, so it's randomness, but it's not like rolling the dice where, you know, you're, you could be rolling five misses in a row, you know, like you can with dice sometimes. I think the variability in that whole dice thing or that no dice thing is what I like about the game. And the, that card mechanism was just, I, I just really, you know, grabbed onto that the first time I played that. And it was like, I really like that for some reason. I don't know why, but I just really liked the way that was the way those cards really, you know, like you didn't know if you were going to be able to hit or miss this turn, you know, when you were shooting at somebody, you know, you could draw a card and you could hit, but then um, you did no damage because of their armor and stuff like that. I mean, so it's a really fun game. It's definitely trickier to learn because there is so much to it with the movement, with the attacking, with just everything and, and having to learn all the different iconography. There's a lot of different iconography in the game, um, but still definitely worth um, learning to play and one that I wish this was a game that Kim would actually enjoy. Um, but uh, she really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, so that's it. We have just finished episode 200 and those were our number one games. Eric, any final things you want to say? Yeah. I just want to say that my list was better. Sure. Okay. Yeah, you can say it. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I don't. I don't really think it has been, but um, I think my list is better. Can I? So. Can I fit one more Dave joke into this list somewhere? You definitely or, can, sir. Can go I? ahead. I don't. I don't. No, I'm trying to say. Can I? I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You could, but I don't really know if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's going to be it for episode 200. I was hoping to have maybe an interview or something on here, but um, with everything that's going on um, for us right now, I think our top 100 doing the top 20 is going to be it for this episode. I know I have quite a few um, upcoming changes I've been talking about for the website. Hopefully that new logo is going to be um, coming soon. Um, we have identified somebody, hopefully, that will um, be maybe doing this for us. Um, and hopefully I can get some other changes coming to the site and we can continue pumping out some of these videos that um, everybody seems to be liking and continue growing uh, the website and the listener base for this. But um, I think that's going to be it for episode 200. Eric, any last words? No, I hope everyone had fun listening to these and we'll see uh, who you identify with more from now on. Yep. I think, I think we definitely have some, nice differences in our list. I think there's some great variability. You've mentioned a lot of games that I love that I didn't throw on mine. And I've mentioned a lot of games that you probably never even freaking heard of before. <laughs> that's because you're old. <laughs> Shut it. All right. Just, that's just it. Like we're, done with episode, that's it. we're done with episode 200. If the old jokes start coming out, whatever, brother. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. That's it for the podcast, everybody. Hey gamers, this is Joe. And there you have it. That is a wrap of episode 200 of the what I'm playing now podcast. I would like to thank all the listeners for sending in some feedback and letting us know how we're doing. Uh, continue to do that, please. Send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. Uh, you can join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We do have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us there at what I'm playing now. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. You can subscribe to us on our Twitch channel. We will be at twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. 
I would like to thank Eric for joining me in these past couple of episodes that we've been recording. Hopefully we can continue this and get some more interviews on the show for everybody. I do have a few lined up and hopefully those will be coming to fruition shortly. Other than that, I would like to thank everybody for uh, joining us in um, all the 200 episodes that we've uh, recorded over the past several years. It's been a hell of a ride and we're going to continue doing this thing uh, until we're done with it, but we are not there yet. So Everybody, you know what to do. Go play some more games and then let us know what you're playing now. Until next week when we will be back with some more games that we've played. Hope you, Hopefully you have a great week gaming and hopefully we do as well. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.